Welcome to Career Tours. Why not to use the Mark Emailers on Red button? The questions this cast answers are, why is marking email as unread bad? How do I keep track of my tasks if not with email marked as unread? How do I mark emails as urgent if not with email marked as unread? If your knowledge of desk, high D's, I's, S's and C's, the perfectionists, the Attila, the Huns, the marketers, the team players, if that has helped you become more effective at work, you'll want to seriously consider coming to our effective communications conference. We set the basics of DISC in an hour or so, and then we spend the rest of the day teaching you how finally to communicate effectively, which is to pay attention to what your listener does and communicate in a way that makes sense to them. At the end of the day, you'll be able to read someone in a conversation, determine their major DISC tendency, and then based on that, make some changes in how you deliver to improve the chances that you get harmony and congruence and collaboration and not drama conflict, and tension. Come see us. Everybody complains about email. There's too much, you're expected to answer too quickly, sending email gets you more email, and so on. And no one ever taught us how to handle email, so we all make up our own rules. And some of the rules hinder us more than they help us. And one of those is the button that says mark email as unread. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Everybody's favourite subject. I think people hate email but love complaining about email that is true <laughs> that is true so we're going to start out with don't use that button that says mark is unread we're going to talk about some different ways to action your email instead so we're going to use the one touch method we have other methods to de- to denote urgency and moving task to task lists and i think the last one is probably going to be the most critical one and probably going to be the one to, that that is the, I don't want to say the hardest to implement, but I know sometimes it feels like it is for me the hardest to implement. It's a hard habit to break. It is a hard think, habit If to you're break. in that habit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you remember when there was an email? <laughs> vaguely. I very, do. very vaguely. I got my first email when I was in college, but we didn't call it email. We called it something else, which I don't remember. Um, but in my very first professional job, uh, actually my first two professional roles, Wendy, out of college, which was mid-90s, I did not have email. So it wasn't until the late 90s that I, I got email at work. So I kind of miss those days. Yeah, me too. My first professional job, I used a telex machine, which if you're younger than us, you will now have to go Wikipedia. Uh, but the the earliest versions, I had a look on the internet, the earliest versions of email back in the 1980s, which weren't even the beginning of email, but they were the beginning of email looking like it looks now. And you can see when you look at them, they look like email. They have what time it came in, who it came from, a message, but there's only three buttons. You can respond, delete, or save it. If you look at the images of email kind of going through the 80s and the 90s, you can see that developers are creating all of the things that we do in email today, like sorting into folders and copying other people and giving emails flags and scheduling and all the things we can do today and you just know i can just picture this that somewhere along the way somebody said to some developer hey it would be really useful if we could mark emails as unread when we're interrupted reading them 
And the developer was like, well, that sounds like a good idea. That happens to me. And they put it into email and email immediately got worse. Significantly worse. <laughs> a million times worse. Just because the capability is there, it doesn't mean we have to use it. it this reminds me of the, the hour default for meetings on your calendar right? Absolutely. Just, just because when you put a meeting on your calendar, it defaults to an hour doesn't mean you have to actually schedule every meeting to be an hour. You can have 15 or 20 minute meetings or 40 minute meetings or 45 minute meetings. We have the ability to mark stuff as unread, but that doesn't mean we have to use it. And just because it exists does not mean it is a useful feature to have. There are lots and lots and lots of examples of things that seem like a good idea at the time, but really become, have become useless or possibly even harmful later. Yeah. Right? Every, <laughs> there, there's, there's lots of uh, jokes about, it seemed to, like a really good idea at the time. <laughs> yes, there are. There are. And marking un emails as unread is a really bad method of marking urgency. You have to go into it, you have to read it, then you have to mark it as unread because you've decided it's urgent. It's just a waste of a bunch of steps. And it's not a good way of managing tasks because if you have some tasks in email, we'll bet you have some tasks on post-its in your desk and some in your notebook and they're kind of getting spread all over the place and you don't know which one to do first. If the tasks are in your email, which one do you do the one that came in earliest? Or are there other ones that are more important? And if the important and urgent ones are marked as unread too, they're all mixed together and there's there's nothing that helps you work out what to do first. And you spend a lot of, of brain energy thinking about it. In other words, just because you mark it as unread, it's unread in your email box, but that doesn't mean it's not still in your brain. Mm -hmm. And I wish there was a way to mark stuff as unread in my brain. <laughs> Right. But it's still in your brain, meaning there's still a spot in your brain that's thinking about it or knows at the least, you know, at some level that that email is still sitting in your inbox and you need to do something with it. That's using some of your psychic energy up, some of your your brain power thinking about, oh, I still have to respond to that. Yeah. And some people say, but my work is in my email. But it isn't because if your work was in your email, your job would be answering email and your job isn't answering email, you know, unless you in a customer service job and your job is actually answering me email. For, but for most of us, we're supposed to be doing other things. We're supposed to be writing code or managing a team or managing a project or whatever it is that we're supposed to be doing. A job isn't answering email. So your work isn't in email. Your work is somewhere else probably with other people. Yes. Amazing. This is one of the things that I have learned over time, Wendy, that the hard way, um, a lot of times I have left an email in my inbox thinking, oh, I, you know, I, I need to think about that or it'll be easy for me to answer that tomorrow. And really it's not. Answering an email that's five days old or three days old or 10 days old is not any easier or not the same as answering it immediately. Actually, it's harder. That's the lesson that I've had to learn. And I think, again, that's partly what I've experienced is, is that feeling of, oh, I have to answer that email. And it almost becomes 
I don't want to say that you dread it because that's too strong of a word, but you know, it's kind of, it's hanging over your head and you're like, Oh, I got to do that. I got to do it. And you put it off and you put it off and the longer you put stuff off, the harder it is to do it. And that email is sitting in your inbox. And that means that you're not actioning it. You're not making decisions that need to be made. And the longer you put off those decisions or, or take action, the harder it is. Absolutely. I have those two. Some days I just go, okay, you are not allowed to leave this email until you've answered it. And when I actually read it properly, it's often for someone else or the, or the question isn't what I thought it was and it wasn't that complicated. It usually takes much less time than I think it's That's what I was exactly going to say. A lot of times I put off answering those emails because I think, oh, it's going to take 20 or 30 minutes. And then actually it only takes 10. Mm -hmm. All right. And in the meantime, how much brain power have I used thinking about how much I didn't want to answer that email. <laughs> yeah, too much, right? Yeah. Instead of reading it and then going back and marking it unread, we have three recommendations around actions for you to take instead. Because all of that that we just talked about, that affects your productivity and your effectiveness, not in a positive way, um, in a negative way. So in lieu of using that button, we recommend you touch things one time. That's our first recommendation, right, Wendy? Yeah. One touch comes from when actions and email, uh, emails used to be on paper. <laughs> Feel that old that you remember memos that used to be on paper in triplicate. And the idea is that you only touch the piece of paper once. So for email, that means you only open it once, you action it and you close it and it's done. And we recommend that you answer your email or you look at, you process your email in three periods a day. And there is a cost that tells you when they should be. And the idea of one touch, of touching things once, has been around forever. But it got another boost of popularity with David Allen when he wrote Getting Things Done. So brilliant. you may have heard it from there. Oh, yeah, brilliant. You may have heard it from there, but it, it does exist in other places. And the idea is that you can open the email and then do one of four actions and close it, and you never have to look at it again. The first action is to delete it. Delete anything that's unnecessary. I have a really hard time with this because somewhere along the line, I made up in my head a rule that we were not allowed to delete emails <laughs> at Manager Tools. I don't know where that came from. Clearly, I made it up. And so after the recent uh, podcast, Winnie, that... that um, I don't know if you and Mike did it or you and Mark did it about deleting email. I actually went through and I deleted probably, I don't know, four, five, six hundred emails. Wow. Um, yeah. And it was actually it was kind of felt good. I was I was pretty excited to, to do that. Anything that you can find somewhere else doesn't have to stay in your email. So delete it. An email that somebody has responded to you and just says, thanks. You don't have to keep that. You can delete it. Anything that is um, somebody has sent you confirmation on or you, and you received the confirmation, anything that you have recorded somewhere else, for example, if it's somebody's trying to schedule something and it's get scheduled and it's on your calendar, that is now on your calendar. You don't need to keep that email of the back and forth of trying to get it scheduled. Mm -hmm. You can be very liberal with that delete key. Uh, and I, those of you that struggle with that, like I do, <laughs> or made up some rule in your head, uh, I encourage you to go and listen to the cast on, it's okay to delete things. Yeah. 
Even I'm pretty good at it, but this morning Maggie sent some cute thing about something somebody had said to her and you replied and I realised afterwards I just archived that and I don't need to keep it. It was funny, it was cute, but I don't really don't need it any day apart from today. So everybody slips, but if you have that in your head that the first thing you have to, con the first thing to consider is can I delete this? And if the answer is yes, you delete it. And if the answer is no, then you go on to one of the other actions. Good. So if you can't delete it, then the next possible action is to maybe defer it. And this does not mean put it off and go back and mark it as unread. No. This is not your get out of jail free card. No. It means you put it in... Uh, put the email in a waiting folder. It might be something that you don't have the information that you need to answer it, but you're going to have it shortly. So sometimes we get, as an example, we get people who email us questions about situations that they're in, and I might need to talk to Wendy or Mark about it before I respond to that person. So that would go in the defer, and then I make a note in my one-on-one -on -one notebook, for example, to talk to Mark about that email. All right? But it's out of my inbox, and it's in a waiting folder or to be action folder. And if you're never going to get that information or it's really difficult or you're not the right person or whatever, answer it then and say that so that the person isn't waiting for you to reply and thinking that you're going to be able to give them the information and the answer is, I'm not going to give you the information. <laughs> it's only okay to hold things if you know that you're going to be able to action them in the next couple of days. If you need to do something as a result of that email, if there's an action required. So for example, if it is information you could get, but you can't get it you know, immediately, it's not a file on your hard drive or a number that you can just download. If it's gonna take an hour or so to get that information, then that's a task and it goes on your task list and you still don't need the email in your inbox. We could also delegate. Yes. And again, this is probably an area where most of us could be much more liberal with delegating. Even if you're an individual contributor, you're not a manager. It's possible that there's somebody else who is better um, suited, better equipped to answer the email. So think about, are you really the best person to answer that email? And if not, then delegate that email. I assume when we say, and I probably shouldn't assume Wendy, but to me, when I hear that, I mean, I assume that means you forward it to the person who is better equipped to handle it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for example, we get lots of queries into customer service about technical things. And usually I know how to go find someone's account, change whatever's the problem, and then reply to them. It might take me a little while to fix it because I'm not quite sure what to do. And I have to remind myself, give it to Paul. That's his job. He does it better than you. Right. It's hard, but it's absolutely doable. And then the last is if there's actually a task to be done, and you kind of uh, hinted at this earlier. This is one of my favorite things that I got from David Allen getting things done, which is the two minute rule. If you can do something and, and then we'll take you less than two minutes, then go ahead and do it now. So the email comes in and it's a request for information and you have that information at hand or you know how to handle that request or somebody emails you about lunch plans or a decision that you can make and you don't have to give it a lot of thought or you don't have to check with somebody else. You can just make that decision, then action that email respond to it, do it now. Things that are gonna take longer than two minutes 
then they go on your task list. And we're going to talk more about that shortly. And that two minutes isn't literal. You don't have to work out how long it's going to take. And if it takes two minutes and three seconds, it goes somewhere else. It's a rough guide. It means if it's quick and easy, then do it now. Yeah. Sometimes I'll do, I'll say, oh, I can do this in less than two minutes. And it actually takes four or five. But the point is that you can do it pretty quickly. It's not, and it's not something you have to talk to somebody else about or get more information, right? Exactly. So touching email only once means that your inbox will be smaller joy. <laughs> yeah. You will waste less time because you're not making the same decision over and over again. You're not thinking about that email repeatedly over and over again. And emails are easier to answer because you will deal with them as soon as you open them. And I think they get bigger and more angry the older they are. Definitely more emotion around mm -hmm. them. <laughs> one way or yeah. Other. One of the other reasons people use markers unread is to denote urgency or importance or both which is confusing for you since you don't know whether it's urgent or important and there are some things that developers introduce that are actually useful so thank you developers and we know that some emails carry more weight than others so emails from your boss for example you might be marking those unread because they're important because answering emails from your boss is a career enhancing move and the answer is not to leave them unread instead you have some other way of doing it for example you can use rules to sort it into folders so you can have a folder that says emails from my boss and if it has a number next to it of unread emails then you you go look at that folder when you start processing emails because there must be an email from your boss you can use stars or flags or anything else that your email system has and that makes sense to you to mark those emails as urgent or important or from someone important like a client as they come in using rules. And the, the rules are really simple to set up. They're almost always if an email comes from this person, then do this. The do this part is add a flag, move it to a folder, all those kind of things. I never really got into using the folders, putting emails into directly into folders for me, because that's just not how I use folders. But the stars and the flags, I have found that to be very helpful. When something comes in from Mark, it's starred. When something comes in from Kane Sarah, my directs, it's starred. Absolutely. Yeah, I never did folders either. And I get so little email now, I don't even need flags because I can see them. <laughs> well, when I did have a lot more email and I was getting, you know, 400, 500 a day, that was the method I used. I had different colors for different people according to how important they were. And just because you've flagged something or your, your email client has put a star on it, that doesn't mean that you've dealt with it, right? This is just a way of identifying in your inbox the things that are most important as opposed to marking it unread. You still have to actually respond to it or deal with it um, in your next email session that hopefully you have scheduled on your calendar. And if you don't know what I mean by that, we have a cast for that. Um, marking the email as important and then just leaving it in your inbox, probably not a recipe for success. So you still have to actually do something with it. <laughs> Yeah, the, and those flags or whatever it is you're using are there to stay when you get to your email processing session. 
they're there to say, do this first. Okay, and now the most important one, move your tasks to task lists. Most important, and for me, this is, this is the hardest one. I will be completely candid. <laughs> it took me a long time to not think of my inbox as a task list. And I don't know if that's because I was at the beginning of my career kind of when email became more commonplace. Um, but I, I thought for many years as my inbox was, a, that was to remind me of things that I have to do. And sometimes I still find myself falling back into that habit. Um, but email is not where you keep things that you need to do. You need to have a system of a task list or a notebook or wherever, however you want to keep track of your tasks. We all, I think, do that a little bit differently, but it's not an email. <laughs> no, because email is inadequate for being your task list. If you look at any task list manager, whichever one you choose, and there are hundreds and thousands, they have things like due dates and dependencies and alarms and ways of tagging so that you can manage those tasks. You can do them in order of importance and due date and you can mark them as with somebody else. You can hide ones that you don't need to do yet. You can set things up as recurring to remind you to do them on a regular basis. All of those things email doesn't have. So you can't use email as a task list, but you can. It just doesn't work very well very because it doesn't have all of the things that you need. And what I have learned and, and from trying to break myself of this habit is that when I treat my inbox as the place where I keep my tasks, I open emails over and over and over again. The same email, I will open it multiple times. And again, making the same decision over and over again, because I'm thinking, oh, do I need to do this now? And so I open it and I, and I read, and I, no, I don't have to do this now. This can wait. Or to the earlier point, no, I need to get some more information from Wendy or from Mark before I do it. Whereas keeping your tasks on a task list, whatever system you want to use, if you're old fashioned like me, I, a lot, most of my task list is actually on pen and paper, <laughs> which Me too. I, I, you know, I don't mind, but apparently I get a lot of eye rolls when I say that at conferences, <laughs> but that means you're only having to think about it twice. Once when you decide on what to, to do with it, right? And then once when you do it, right? So you're making, you're only thinking about it when you decide on how am I going to do this and when am I going to do it and putting it on your task list. And then you think about it again when you do it and you're actioning your task list. And all the rest of the time, it's not taking up that space in your brain that we've talked about a couple of times now, Wendy, right? It's not taking up that psychic energy of, oh, I still have to do that. I still have to do that because it's on your task list. It reminds me of, of the, what's the guy, Ron Pope or whatever, set it and forget it, right? Yes. Put it on your task list and then you don't have to think about it again until you're actioning your task list. Uh, yeah. Unlike the red button on your email, on your smartphone that says 87 unread emails. And I'm sorry, even when I see somebody else's phone with that on there, it makes me feel oh, gosh. I can't. It doesn't, <laughs> if it were on mine, I would, yeah, head exploding. But even someone else's makes me feel icky. Don't look at Tim's. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has like 5,000. <laughs> Isn't Tim's method of managing email though? 
if my email box is full of things I haven't done, start a new email. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't think he's the poster child for us. No. And to be fair, that that's not for work. He only has one email for work, but for personal, yes. When it's overcome with spam and stuff that he's not ever going to do anything about, he just goes and starts a new inbox. Danny's husband, if you can't guess, is a high eye. Yes. So that Marcus un unread hammer is, is or may be hard to break, especially if you've been using it forever. But when your calendar has your appointments and your task list has your tasks, and the urgent emails are marked as that by the system and you know where to start, managing email becomes so much easier and you can get it down to three 30-minute periods in a day. Think of it then as a process, not as breaking a habit, but more developing new ones. So you might want to start with, I am going to put tasks on task lists and you do that for a while. And then you think, okay, I'm going to start only touching my email once. And then you do that for a while. It's hard to change things all at once. And so do the most important thing, which is moving your tasks to your task lists, experience the benefit, and then go on to one of the others. My new favorite hashtag on Twitter is progress, not perfection. Nice. Exactly. Cool. All right. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Well, we hope you won't be using that button anymore, and we'll see you next week. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want the how-tos of management wherever you are, check out the free Manager Tools mobile app. It's available on both iOS and Android devices. Go to the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and download the Manager Tools app. Just search for Manager Tools in the respective store or go to the Manager Tools website, www.manager-tools.com, and you'll find the links on the bottom of the homepage. Once you've installed the Manager Tools app, you'll have access to all the Manager Tools and Career Tools shows anytime, anywhere you want. With easy searching of podcasts by category, using the map of the universe, or using built-in search functions, it couldn't be easier. Additionally, if you're a Manager Tools personal licensee, you'll have easy access to all the show notes right from the app whenever you want. Go to the App Store and download the Manager Tools mobile app. You'll be happy you did. <laughs>